Hello everyone, welcome back. I'm, I'm hopefully saying welcome back to Passing Dimes because if this is your first episode, you're going to be a subscriber after this one. We got a good one, Dal. We got a great one, Josh. So my name's Josh Nickel. This is Dallas Keith. He's the captain of the spirit ship. No, just kidding. That's me. That's me. <laughs> I mean, I thought I was the captain of the friendship. But <laughs> it's, it's a different point. We've got one of the most decorated athletes on the podcast ever. Ever? I think so. Five-time CIS national champion slash CIS athlete. Athlete of the year. Dallas did his research for this one. Uh, we have a FISU Games flag bearer. A you really did your research. A recently crowned national champion. Keep going. Uh, three years professional indoor volleyball. And overall, probably one of my best friends. We'll see if she'll admit that once we get her. I think the only thing you left out is I think she won an MVP when she was in Germany, or at least a playoff MVP. They won a championship. Sounds about right. Welcome to the show, Shanice Marcel. Yeah! Oh, hey, guys. Thanks for that. <laughs> I mean, we were pretty... I, I mean, our intern did his research. I don't know if it's because uh, I've just known you for such a long time, or we just got a really good summer intern here. You went back to school today, though, so <laughs> we're going to have to figure out uh, positions to be filled in the podcast here. That really impressed me. You probably knew more about me than I do, so... I've heard that a lot. <laughs> uh, thanks for coming on. Appreciate you uh, you taking the time to talk with us. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. First Happy off, congratulations. Recently crowned national champion. Thank you. Yeah, um, good. Out of all the national championships you have, was this the best? <laughs> Follow-up question... How many national championships do you have? <laughs> um, it depends on what country we're talking about. Whoa, um, big deal. <laughs> but no, this one was really special for me, just considering how the last few years have been for me. So to come out as a national championship in Beach Nationals was really, really fun. So I'm happy with that. Um, overall, I think I've won eight titles. And can you name them off for us, just yeah. so that we can be sure that you've got eight? Yeah, so in 2008, I was U18 National Beach Champion. Then I won five straight with UBC. Not a big then, deal. <laughs> then I went to Germany for two years, and we won the German Championship for two years. Um, well, and then I guess this last one. So you're a national champion in... in multiple different nations yeah yeah i guess so that's pretty impressive josh i don't know if we've ever seen that before why did we wait so long to get her on the I show i don't know <laughs> this should have been episode two i mean i can't let you take over episode one for me <laughs> well let's get into the most recent one uh beach nationals the draw got a little a little wonky credit to you and julie for your part in that as well but having to play Amanda and MC, the Pan Am team, in the pre-quarters, then you played Megan and Nicole in the quarters, what was it like with that tough road? And, and that's not even mentioning who was in your pool on, on day one and one and a half, I guess. Just kind of walk us through Beach Nationals and the vibe there, because I, Beach Nationals doesn't get the hype it usually deserves, but I feel like this year was, was a pretty stacked tournament. Mm -hmm. Honestly, we kind of screwed up on whichever day that was, and... We had a much harder route, obviously having to go through MC Amanda and the Twins. But it kind of worked out for the best for us to get those tougher matches in earlier in the day. You know, Julie and I are getting a little bit older. 
body's kind of falling apart, so the more matches in a day, the harder it is to play. Can you remind us how old you are? Oh, I'm 29. Oh, oh so you're, wow. getting, you're getting up getting there, up there for, for sure. Uh, at least physically. <laughs> I'm much older than I am. <laughs> but no, day one was, was pretty good. I don't honestly remember who we played. Oh, we had Dana Cook to start us off with Nationals. She was our first match of the day. That was pretty fun. Um, yeah, finished pool play on a not-so-strong note, losing to Alina Dorman and... Laura Condata, who played really great. Some good up and up and comers for Canada, hopefully. Um, and then we played MC and Amanda in a barn burner of a match. Went to three, and I think the third set must have been 27-25 or something crazy, ridiculous. And we finished just in time, just before the thunderstorm, lightning storm happened. So, yeah. And then from there, it was kind of smooth, smooth sailing. Yeah, and I think you actually played Alina and uh, Laura in the final, right? In the final again, yeah. So we ended up on different sides of the draw, and then they made their way back to the final, which was awesome for them. They had a really great tournament, and happy to see them go far. Nice. Good to get that revenge in the final. It's hard to beat the same team twice in the, in the same tournament, I feel. That yeah. is to say, you know, seven <laughs> national championships is, just doesn't sound quite as good as eight. <laughs> yeah, I will agree with you there. So fill us in on the rest of your season. So you and Julie, uh, it feels like you've been competing for, for a big chunk of the season. Kind of just fill our listeners in on what you've already accomplished this year and kind of what you've got planned for the rest of the season because there's still, I know I know it feels like summer's over, but there's a couple of events left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Julie and I, we started our season probably in February. We went to a couple of events in Australia, um, and Cambodia to start the season, and then since then it's been kind of like three weeks on the road, a couple weeks back at home, um, playing in FIVBs. We've been playing in the two- and three-star events. Um, we played in the Norseca event earlier in the year in Mexico, and now we are getting ready to go back to China for what seems like the millionth time in October. <laughs> And then um, we'll finish with the four-star event in Mexico in November. Now, remind me, Mexico, is that your first tournament with Julie last season? Did you guys finish up there? No, our first tournament last year was China. So the same China event that we will be going to was our oh, first okay. tournament last year. For the millionth time. Yeah. All right, everyone's got a good China story. What was your first impression when you went there? Like, is it just the opposite of, like, Western civilization? Is that why everyone's like, oh, I'm going to China? Or, like, what really cues it for you that you're kind of like, I don't know if I want to do this? Yeah, honestly, I think it depends where in China you're going. So this tournament last year was not my first time to China, but my first time on the beach tour playing in China. And we were there for eight days. And, like, I'm already so skinny enough, but I think I lost 10 pounds. I thought I was going to starve and die. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just because, like, the food is completely different. And so if you're not uh, super open to trying new foods, which I... I'm very picky just because I don't want to get sick on the road. Um, that was a big struggle for me. And then, yeah, like the lifestyle is completely different over there from anything you'll see in Canada. So that was that took a bit getting used to. But now that we've been to China four times this year, we are pros at packing our suitcases full of food <laughs> and making sure that we will survive the trip. Have you been um, collecting your aeroplane miles or what? 
you got it. Okay, yeah. good. Just got to make sure. Like got that club status. <laughs> yeah. Big baller now. Basically. You walk around with your gold medal. You should bring all eight to the airport and just start <laughs> waving them around. People will start uh, chauffeuring you into the lounges. Idea. You know what? Tell him. I tell him I sent you. He'll probably be uh, detained rather than put in the lounge. <laughs> um, so we'll transition a bit here. You've uh, you've had quite the decorated indoor career as well. Um, like you said before, five national championships with UBC, uh, a CIS Athlete of the Year award. Um, sort of backtracking from that, what? What made you stay in in Canada? I know that uh, a lot of girls on the indoor team now have taken the NCAA route, and uh, you chose to sort of stay home. What uh, what prompted that move? And obviously, what a call by you. I mean, you can't really get any better than five national championships in five years. <laughs> uh, yeah, so for any of the listeners, I am from B.C., um, and I was heavily recruited to play in the NCAA kind of along the West Coast. So um, I, in particular, was looking at um, U of W, uh, Washington State University. Those were kind of the one, two on my list. Um, and I went on a visit down to Washington State. And honestly, it was like the coolest experience ever. I got to watch a football game, I got to watch a basketball game, like, sports down there were just kind of larger than life, which was really overwhelming and really special to kind of see that, um, but when I got home from my recruiting trip, I just kind of realized that that um, it wasn't really for me, it wasn't where I saw myself fitting in, and when I kind of looked at um, how I wanted my next five years to be, I wanted to be playing with the national team, and if I were to go play for the NCAA teams, um, I wouldn't necessarily get those summers off to be able to do that um, during my time at school. Um, and yeah, it just didn't really feel right when I went to my visit at UBC. Honestly, it was kind of hilarious. <laughs> I went with another girl who ended up going to UBC, Danny Richards. Uh, we were both from the island, so we were really close. Um, but the visit wasn't really anything special. Like, I don't think I met very many girls on the team. Um, I got to see the gym. I got to see the locker room. But it, that was honestly probably like five minutes. Um, <laughs> and then just sat down and talked with the coaches for maybe an hour before we had to jet back to the ferry so we can get back to the island before it was dark. Like, honestly, my visit to UBC was pretty hilarious. Um, but it just felt right, and I felt like I wanted to play for Doug, and he was a coach that I knew I could trust, and I knew that he was kind of going to take me to the next level. Plus, all the girls that were at UBC ahead of me were some pretty big studs, so it kind of made the decision pretty easy. That's really cool. It, uh, a lot of people sort of, through trial and error, find that the grass isn't greener on the other side, and you've, uh, you've demonstrated that uh, you sort of had the... The hindsight, you knew it even before you, you got there that, like, hey, this opportunity exists, but it's not necessarily what I want to be doing. So that's really awesome. Ooh, thanks. Yeah. Uh, we, we probably do it too much on the show, but do you want to name drop anyone that was at UBC? Because obviously you were there for five, but I think they won the year before you got there, maybe two years before. Like, it was, wasn't it seven or eight in a row total? Uh, it was six in a row total, then 
took a couple years to win their next one, but yeah, I think they won like eight within the last ten years or something crazy. So who were some of the vets when you arrived? Uh, so Kyla Ritchie was a year older than me, Liz Cordagne was on the team, um, Jamie Broder actually graduated just before I got there, uh, but we had other national team players like Jen Hins, um, Marissa Field, Claire Hanna, like we were honestly stacked. <laughs> And did you start playing with the national team while you were still in university? Like, did you meet that goal that maybe wouldn't have been available as an NCAA athlete? Um, I was really lucky because when I was growing up and when I was in high school, we actually still had um, a youth and junior national team, which they kind of got rid of for a while. So I think I was one of the last to actually experience that. So I was in the national team system, or whatever you want to call it, since... uh, must have been 2006 would have been my first year with the youth team um and then i made the senior team in 2009 or 2010 they had a b program so i was part of that but yeah that was honestly the goal for me kind of since i was young and yeah what do you remember about the first time you made the senior team because some of our listeners will remember when lupo got here there was a bit of a youth movement right off the bat where like you and Becky Pavin made the squad. I think Kyra had maybe already been there, but she kind of stepped into a leadership role. It just looked like there was a lot of opportunity for, for some youth sport athletes, and then obviously Becky being an NCAA, but some young athletes to really start over with the program once the new cycle hit. What do you remember about those early days when Lupo arrived? Yeah, um, I think my first kind of experience with the senior A team and actually getting to play on the court was in 2012 the team didn't qualify for London but we had either Pan Am Cup or Pan Am something rather some sort of Norseka tournament to play in and all the starters from the team previous for the previous four years they like the majority of them had quit or had decided to take the summer off so I think there was maybe five or six of us uh, university athletes or athletes who had just graduated from university that were stepping into starting roles Um, and the cool thing about that experience I think was the last tournament that Sarah Pavin played for the indoor team so my first year with the indoor team my very first tournament um, was Sarah Pavin's kind of last so to be able to experience sharing the court with her and kind of learning from her as someone who is a leader for Canadian volleyball was really cool. Nice yeah I didn't realize you guys crossed over like that that would be pretty special. Mm-hmm. Yeah, her and Becky played, so it was having in the front court, having in the back court whenever we were on. It was pretty funny. Um, so you're one of the few people that have, you know, had a lot of success in both roles. I think a lot, uh, a lot of the time people are either streamlined into the beach because they don't necessarily get what they want out of indoor, or they're streamlined to indoor because it's a little more stable than the, um, we'll call it the progressive lifestyle that beach volleyball players uh, are accustomed to living. What, in your mind, was the biggest sort of difference um, between the beach and the indoor system? And what do you think that the indoor players can learn from the beach side and that the beach players can learn from the indoor side? Good question. Um, I kind of, as I was growing up, Every single summer, I would switch. So whether I would play indoor for the provincial team one summer, and then the next summer I would play beach for the provincial program, or I would try and do both, honestly, if I could. Um, And I just found that playing one sport 
made me go leaps and bounds ahead of others when I switched back to the other sport. Um, so for me, it was just be- very beneficial to work on de- developing my overall skills um, and then translating that to the other game. I just, yeah, I found it really, really beneficial. And then volleyball was always fun for me because I always had a change in season and I wasn't doing one thing for 12 months out of the year and getting burnt out. Like the experience was always so fun and there was always new people involved with switching the different programs. So I would like, if I coach athletes that are young now, I will tell them to go do something different with their summers, whether it's like taking a summer off or playing beach when they don't normally, I think it it does nothing but help your game, whether your focus is indoor or beach. Like I think there's benefits to playing both. So with you being a top indoor player, you're on the national team, you're winning uh, German championships, what kind of finally tipped for you that you wanted to go beach full-time? Well, (laughs) after my third year overseas, uh, I played in France for my third year, and that was a really difficult year for me. Um, That was our Olympic qualification year for indoor, which we didn't successfully qualify for Rio, obviously. but I had really struggled that entire season with my shoulder. And there was days playing overseas where I couldn't sleep because my shoulder was pounding. And there was days where I would go to the doctor and I would get these random like 20 injections of God knows what (laughs) into my shoulder and it wouldn't help. And I just had a a lot of problems. Um, So once I got home, after being in France for the year, I decided, like, I need surgery to fix this. I can't continue with the rate that I'm going at. Um, and I knew once I had surgery that I wouldn't be able to play indoor at the same capacity. Like, there's no way as a P2 outside hitter that I would be able to manage that load with an already messed up shoulder because you have to hit every single ball and you have to hit hard and you're going to get set high balls. And I just knew... Um, that that was something that physically I couldn't manage, and I, I knew I wanted to get back to the beach game, so it was kind of perfect timing for me, I guess. Now, was that season really difficult for you, being a foreigner and not being like healthy? Was the club supportive with you being injured, or is it kind of you? As soon as you get hurt, you were kind of just put in the bottom of the depth chart, and that's where it is. Um, no, the club was not supportive. <laughs> <laughs> Especially my coach, which made that experience um, quite awful. Um, but at the same point, I, I wasn't put further down the depth chart. There was just this expectation of, yes, you're hurt. I'm sure you're hurt, but I don't care. Like, you need to play this match um, or else, like, we're going to fire you or we're going to kick you off the team or we're not going to pay you or, like, some sort of threat was kind of always looming. Um, I remember one... One day, and this was early in the season, we were playing in our, uh, I think it was Champions League that we were playing in. Um, We were playing a team from Ukraine, and uh, my coach brought me into his room, and, like, I didn't practice for the three days leading up to this because I literally could not lift my arm. He sits me in his room, and he says, I need you to play tomorrow. We can't win this match without you. I don't care how hurt you are, and... (laughs) It was just a lecture about how I, how I needed to play this match um, because it was important when realistically it really wasn't. <laughs> um, so yeah, there was a lot of that to deal with the season. Um, 
just dealing with coaches kind of demanding that you play regardless of what your physical health was. And I didn't have, um, I didn't have the knowledge to be able to tell him no, or I didn't have the confidence to be able to say, I can't do this, which is um, unfortunate because it led to surgery, but I learned my lesson, I think. <laughs> you didn't have load management. Yes, we did not. That wasn't, uh, <laughs> that doesn't directly translate into French. So, I mean, I think you just picked the wrong club. I think I did. <laughs> but now you're part of the, the shoulder surgery club, which, I mean, we are active card-holding members. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a very select club. It's a very Happy select. Right? Um, speaking of which, you rehab a shoulder injury. You come to the national team, and I think we had met previously before that, just uh, in our circle of friends. But, I mean, you and I started bonding when we started working out together and we started talking. Um, you come to the beach, sort of all these expectations are on you because you're this big shooter, indoor player. And then you rehab the shoulder, shoulder's good to go. All of a sudden, what happens on the beach? Yeah, I think uh, not even a month into training, uh, I somehow tore my ACL just on a simple block, jumped up, felt something snap, uh, came down. I Like, I didn't cry or anything, and I know ACLs can be very painful for some people, but for me, it was just like a quick moment, a quick snap. It's something that didn't feel right, but I got up and I walked off and kind of took a while to get the right diagnosis. But yeah, tore my ACL and had to sit out for another eight months. <laughs> Not the most exciting times. Why? <laughs> so we've had some guests on, like Autumn Bailey was really, really great explaining how she dealt with her injury when she did her knee. Um, how did you get through those times? Because obviously as an athlete, like you're, you're finally healthy from your shoulder, then your knee goes. Did it start to affect like your identity? Did it affect your social life because you just want to play volleyball and this is kind of your circle of friends too? Like what goes into being on the shelf and not being able to be like active after being like an athlete your whole life? Yeah, 100% it affected my identity um, I got really down because of it at least with my shoulder um, that was probably the more difficult one to deal with because I had decided to switch programs so with that rehab I didn't have any teammates to rely on which I had had for all those years previous um, I kind of lost that whole support system which was a big shock and I had to deal with it on my own. I had to go to rehab on my own. I had to start working out again on my own and that was really challenging. Um, it was really, it was some dark days, let's just say. <laughs> um, but with my knee, I kind of knew that time around what I was dealing with, even if it was a different body part. Um, and I knew the re recovery process would be like six, seven, eight, nine months long so I was kind of prepared for that and I just took it as an opportunity to try and grow in other areas of my life which I found to be super beneficial so I started coaching um, I started trying to take some courses online just kind of do anything to not dwell on obviously which was the biggest setback I had to deal with today physically so wow um, yeah. That's a great thing. Yeah. We're definitely posting this. That's a great answer. Good for you. <laughs> Thanks, guys. 
Um, I like how our guest fires us up. That's a yeah. I mean, you've uh, you really jazzed me up. I think I'm coming coming for a comeback here. You're coming back. Oh, that's the best news. <laughs> break it, breaking news. Thinking about a comeback, possibly, maybe. Um, no, not to take anything away from your story. That's awesome. I think you've uh, you've nailed the head um, in terms of advice of you know prioritizing other things in your life. I think a lot of people um, within the national team circuit sort of. Uh, lose their self in, in their results or in their performance or, or in what other people are doing. So it's really, it's really great to hear that, uh, you know, you, you have perspective outside of the game and especially for someone who's been in it at a high level for such a long time. That's, uh, that's really great to hear. Thanks, Dale. You know. <laughs> um, but like you said before, you're coaching now. So you're, uh, you're an assistant coach with, my alma mater, the York University Lions. Yes. How did uh, how did that come about, and uh, how are how are things coming with that? Obviously, transitioning your knowledge uh, as probably the best CIS player to to now uh, to now explaining sort of how to be dominant uh, to the girls who are currently at the university level. Yeah, um, that opportunity. Like, I feel like I'm a very lucky person but also unlucky for some very bad things that have happened but <laughs> from that some really good opportunities have kind of um, come into my lap which I'm really grateful for so um, two years ago I coached with Team Ontario um, I was an assistant coach for one of their Team Ontario red teams which was a really good experience um, and through that I got to meet Jen Nielsen who is obviously the head coach at York University um, and kind of at the end of the summer, once she got hired on at York, she was looking for assistant coaches, and she asked me if I wanted to get on board, and 100% said yes. Um, something that's been important to me is getting back into the CIS system, um, or I guess new sports now. What a terrible name. Oh my gosh, I can't get over it. <laughs> I'm going to call it CIS forever. I refuse to call it U sports. Yeah. <laughs> But just wanted to find a way to get back in, into that program and coaching those athletes. So it was a perfect opportunity for me. And here I am going into my second year. We've got a team retreat coming up this weekend, which I'm looking forward to. And then we'll get back into the gym next week. So looking forward to another great year with them. So, like, take us through your coaching style. Because, like, if I'm you, I, you know, and someone doesn't do something right, like, you're, you're peaked right now. Like, you're just coming off a national championship. I would be like, you know what, Stephanie, move over. I'm crushing balls. <laughs> like, you know what, you want me to step in and play here? If I, you know, my line would be, listen, if I had eligibility, you'd be off the team. So, like, you better start performing here. Um, how do you sort of... <laughs> I've rehearsed that line a few times. Um, how do you sort of manage that? Like, you, as much as you're a coach... You're, you're an athlete. Like, how do you manage, sort of, for lack of a better term, being better than everyone, like, at practice? You know, the competitor in me wants to jump into every single drill, whether it's, like, a short court game or some silly little warm-up game. I am always raring to go, but I never uh, insert myself into drills unless we're down a body. Um but I like to think that um, I'm a coach that is relatable for the girls. So I really try my best to put my own um, kind of experiences as far as like the success level um, aside. 
and just work on coaching to who the athlete is. So whether they need a little bit of a kick in the butt, yeah, I'm going to be right there and giving it to them. Or if it's someone who needs a little bit more of an encouraging word, um, I can also do that as well. I think because I've been in their shoes, um, I know exactly what they're going through and I know what it takes to reach kind of that national championship level, which is ultimately where I think most programs want to go. So it's just a matter of like finding that balance and kind of recognizing who are the athletes that you have and what can you work with and um, where can you go with that. That's uh, that's very true. And I will say, I will volunteer myself if York University is having a booster uh function where they need alumni to come in to uh, to yell at players, I will be the first to volunteer. Uh, you will be first in line. Then. Yeah, I'm, I'm expecting a phone call. If you needed like a celebrity coach to come in uh, on a Tuesday night or a Thursday afternoon, I am ready to go. Perfect. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how to follow that up now. I just feel like... You know, I think we should make that service available to any university. Yeah, even yeah, alumni. Well, yeah. Dallas is available. Doesn't matter, elementary school, college, <laughs> university. Dallas is available. If kids are acting up and need to be straightened out, I am a mercenary coach. I am ready to come in and start yelling on a whim. Honestly, I would pay money to see that. Well, you know what? I'm coaching 14-year-old girls this year, so... <laughs> wow. Yeah. But, uh, no, it's, uh, jokes aside, it's great to see that uh, anytime an athlete gives back, and uh, I'm sure, you know, there's, uh, there's literally an untapped amount of knowledge that you have to, to bestow to these, uh, these girls. So I'll speak on their behalf and say that uh, it's pretty amazing that you're, uh, you're there to help out. Oh, thanks, Dal. You are just making me feel good. That's what the show does. That's <laughs> what we're all about here. Now it's your turn. Uh... <laughs> One of the things that we like to do here is uh, is sort of swap stories, and uh, you know you've had so many different experiences on so many different levels. Like I'm sure you've got something in the chamber that you can share with our listeners, albeit appropriate, inappropriate, you know, jaw dropping or just sort of funny. So you know, from you know, you said you've been in the national team program for almost what 15 years, we'll say. Where do we start? Like, what, uh, what, what's your like? Oh my God, I can't believe this just happened. Moment in uh, in indoor Orange Beach. Oh gosh, honestly, that is putting me on the spot, guys. Um, how about a story from you to? Well, Shanice, if you had listened to episode one, you would have hear, heard my story. So, uh, I think I did listen to episode one, but I, I probably need a refresher. I heard a lot of people think they listened to episode one. So I'll tell one of my favorite Dallas stories <laughs> that came from episode one. And this, this should hopefully tee something up with your experience. But, but we're talking about Dallas's first international experience. And, he, and he's playing these Brazilians, and they win the first set. And Dallas's inner self is just like, this is easy. I'm going to win worlds. Like, I'm going to be a world champion. And then, as quickly as the first set ended, the second set had started, and he got slap, slap, boom, like the game was over. So it was just his his kind of welcome to professional volleyball, where he went from being a provincial champion, him and Garrett are flying high, to, oh man, I'm in the show, I'm going to win worlds, to, uh, maybe, maybe not. Oh. So, we'll name drop a few here. Uh, Garrett and I had come off a provincial championship. I had just come off an under-24 national championship. Our first practice match is against Brazil, and it was Guto 
and Vitor, and Garrett and I go out there, and, like, I'm blocking everything, like, I'm walking around with, like, this crazy amount of swagger, we beat them, like, 21-10, I'm like, these guys are shit, like, I'm, like, <laughs> you know what, Garrett's already won worlds, I was like, I, they're serving me every ball, like, Garrett's not even doing anything, like, I am the man, <laughs> we switch sides, and I think we lose the next set, like, 21-9, just, like, absolutely get demolished, and I'm like, oh, and then we don't play a third, because it's like, you know, you only have an hour on the court, so it was like, we slap them, they slap us, and I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe we got some work to do here. <laughs> So anyways, in your 15 years or half your life of being on the national team, was there ever a moment where you're like, wow, I'm in the show, I've really made it? Or was there like an oh shit moment where you're like, oh, I might not belong here because this is really high level? Honestly, probably a little bit of both. Um, I think some of my favorite moments were when I was playing overseas. Um, so two, I guess, separate times in particular, but... Um, when I played in Germany, we played in Champions League, which means that we got to play all the other top teams from across all the other leagues um, in Europe, which was really, really special and really, really exhausting. And I don't really recommend it to anyone if they care about their shoulder, but that's another story. Ah, oh, yeah, I mean, you got two of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, in my first year with my team in Germany, we played at home. And this must have been one of our first Champions League game at home against Fenerbahce, which is like one of the top teams in Turkey. And I don't know if you guys know her, but uh, she's a star for the Korean team. Her name is Kim Young Kung, if I'm saying it right. Can you say <laughs> um, that again? Pardon? What's her name again? Kim Young Kung. Something you have, like that. Do you have to say it that slowly? Yeah, in order okay. to try and pronounce it. Yeah. Okay, perfect. <laughs> um, anyways, she was like the number one player in the world. In fact, I'm sure she still is. She's crazy good. Um, and my, she's my blocking assignment. And keep in mind, she's six foot, I, I don't know, four. And I'm five foot 11. I like to say six feet on a good day. Same. And <laughs> first points of the game, she gets said, like, boom, OT. Like, not even close. I don't even think I jumped in the same vicinity as her. I just looked like a fool. Got subbed out because of that. Great. <laughs> Next set, I go back in. Again, I'm blocking against her. And I finally get a stuff block. That's got to be, like, the coolest thing that I've ever done. But I also didn't play very good. and got subbed out for the rest of the match. <laughs> but that was really cool. And then... Um, one year when we played in Russia, we played against like a Cuban legend, uh, Maria Lewis, who if you Google videos of her, she's also stupid, crazy good, jumps really high, hits really hard. And that was really cool because it was her last year playing overseas and she must have been like 40 years old and she was still just beating up on a bunch of little girls. It was crazy. <laughs> so yeah, it made me feel like I made the show even if I wasn't quite at their level. Yeah, so our intern uh, just did some research, and you were she's six four. Mhm, mm mhm. Yeah, she's tall. Yeah, I am not. <laughs> so, just one more question that hopefully leads to a good story. So, you being an indoor athlete and obviously playing in the German league and being on a Champions League level club, like obviously indoor athletes are well taken care of. When you switch to beach, is there a funny moment at Norseka or either in your own travels where you're kind of like? 
wow, I went from being like told what time breakfast is and my travel's taken care of to like, wow, now we have to transfer and I'm sleeping in an airport because I didn't book a hotel. Like, is there anything that kind of fell off the rails as a beach player? Honestly, Sydney Beach has kind of been liberating to at least create my own schedule and, and that part of it. Um, but I will say when Julie and I went to China last year for our first tournament, uh, we missed our flight on the way there and that was very scary because no one could speak English. They wouldn't let Julie through, um, like, security even. And they were just yelling at her in Chinese. And I was like, oh, my God, we're going to miss our flight, which we did. And I didn't know how we were going to get on the next one because no one spoke English. But luckily it all worked out. So it uh, It's funny because there's so many stories in the beach volleyball world that I've experienced and that, that others have told me where it's like beach volleyball players often prioritize we'll call it penny pinching over um, maybe being comfortable. And my own personal experience is flying from Toronto, sorry, from Montreal to Zurich and then taking a 12-hour bus across six countries from Zurich to Slovenia because we saved 200 euros. Or in hindsight, I'm thinking maybe I shouldn't have my knees into my chin for 12 hours and spend the extra money that, you know, over a lifetime isn't going to be that much but at the time you're like oh my god I've, I've saved all this money like this is going to be such a smart idea and then it's like you get off the bus and you don't even want to look at your partner you don't even want to like you don't even want to get to the hotel you're just bitter and you know it's uh it's funny because josh said you know with the indoor team and you know you have your matching polos and your your bags and everything is sort of teed up and ready for you and in the beach roll it's sort of like you're this disheveled sort of we'll call it uh, wanderer, for lack of a better word, just trying to get from point A to point B as, uh, as easily as possible. Yeah, that honestly sounds really accurate. <laughs> <laughs> wanderer is a good name. Yeah, yeah I'm a professional wanderer. <laughs> Sweet, well, I think this uh, this wraps up a solid episode. Thanks, Shanice, for yeah, that uh, it was great to listen to you speak and, uh, and to hear everything that, uh, that you're doing now, and I think Josh and I both wish you the best for the rest of the year. Cool. Thanks, guys. It was great chatting with you. I'll yeah. see you on Thursday, Josh. Dallas, I hope uh, you uh, get your comeback going. I mean, if not, if not, I'm a phone call away. You know how to reach me. Perfect. We're playing doubles next week. Sweet. I can't wait to be part of that. <laughs> We're talking about tennis, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay, good. Have you seen Bianca? Yeah, she's inspired me. Right? <laughs> that, that paycheck sort of inspires me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right? All right, Shanice. We'll talk to you later. Sounds good. Thanks, right. guys. Thanks, Thank you. Bye. Speaking of tennis, just real quick, Jake and I were just in a Google wormhole today on the on the car ride home. Do you know if you were ranked Jake's level, like take his world ranking in beach volleyball right now and apply it to tennis, he would have made six figures this year? Yeah, same with golf. And, and in beach volleyball, I don't want to, you know, announce Jake's income on, on air or anything, but it, it's not six figures. It's negative. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, you're ranked 50th in the world. You're actually going to lose $10,000 this year. But, you know, volleyball. Right? Yeah, it's absolutely wild. I used to say, I still do, I love golf way better than I love beach volleyball. And if I was a, if I was as good at golf as I was at beach volleyball, I would, uh, I'd have a real nice house in Florida, I think, right about now. And that doesn't include the sponsors and all the other perks that come with it, but yeah, the prize money is a little bit higher in some other sports. But uh, what are you going to do? I think uh, Shanice did a wonderful job explaining what it takes to sort of persevere. And uh, just an awesome guest, Josh. 
Good job on whoever did the research there. I had forgotten that she was a CIS Athlete of the Year, which is a great accomplishment, especially for a volleyball player. I feel like they get overlooked from time to time as it's not a prime youth sports sport. Uh, also, flag bear at Fisi. They don't just hand that out to anybody. That's that's a big ticket. I'm not even going to let intern Jim take the helm on that one. That was all me. Nice. All me. All research. Nice. Well, this wraps up another solid episode. As we always say, you know, leave a comment, not only because, you know, it helps people find the podcast, but we actually enjoy hearing from you. So keep those five-star reviews coming. Leave a comment. And don't forget to subscribe on wherever you're listening to this. You know what? I'm also going to throw us a new thing out here. If you can take a selfie of what you're doing while you're listening to the podcast, we uh, tag us in it and wish you would, uh, you know, you could you could be featured on the Instagram of Passing Dimes. Hey, then you know you've made it. Then you know you've made it. Still waiting on that blue check mark Instagram. I think there's certain tiers in volleyball to know you've made it. I think another country naming a club team after you. Like, Brandy's got it made-made. Made-made. And then, like, you know, the Olympics and main draws and five stars and all that stuff. But then Passing Times Instagram's got to be right in there, I feel like. It's, uh, it's definitely the bronze medal of I've made it on the podium. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for listening, everybody. Another solid episode, and we'll keep them coming. If there's ever a guest you recommend for the show, you know what? Comment on that, too. And like Josh said in the last episode, we are now on Spotify, so be sure to check us out on Spotify, Podbeam, Google Play, Apple Store, or wherever you Napster, Morpheus, LimeWire, Sketch guys or get in your podcasts. And with that, we're out of here. <laughs> Bye, Josh. Bye, Mom.